From KUOW Seattle, this is The Record. I'm Bill Radke. Why are Washington State foster kids increasingly spending time in hotels instead of in foster homes? We're going to discuss that a little bit later on the show. First, our top story today, quote, Trump's Iran war has begun, says Vox, very soberly. Quote, are the U.S. and Iran headed toward war, wonders the Washington Post. If you've been following the news or watching the proliferation of World War III memes on Twitter, you've probably been seeing some pretty apocalyptic rhetoric on the possibility of war with Iran after the U.S. assassinated a top general via drone strike. For more context than that on the situation, I'm joined by Rashad Kassaba. He's director of the University of Washington's Jackson School of International Studies. Professor, thank you for coming today. Thank you for having me. For listeners who might just be coming up to speed, uh, over the weekend an Iranian general was killed by drone strike in Iraq. Who was he? Why was he targeted? So uh, Qasem Soleimani was a very important person in Iranian government. Uh, he is uh, supposed to be the second most powerful person. Uh, he is, in, in addition to being a military general, he was also responsible for Iran's foreign policy, especially in the Middle East. And the goal of this foreign policy was to carve a space for Iran uh, for some safety and protection, almost like a buffer, uh, in places like Iraq and Syria and Yemen and Lebanon. Uh, so he's been increasingly prominent. And in many of these, of course, policies, uh, he found himself uh, on the opposite side of the U.S., uh, and I think there was this kind of tension uh, between, there's a tension between Iran and U.S., and he came to symbolize that tension. And it turns out that the U.S. government uh, found an opportunity to kill him, uh, and they did. One thing I think we should really re uh, keep in mind about this is that uh, unlike, let's say, Osama bin Laden or, or Baghdadi, uh, both of whom were assassinated, as we know, uh, here we're talking about a representative of a foreign government who was assassinated in a third country. So implications of this are much more complicated and complex. Um, so we will see how it unfolds. Yes. Well, is this an act of war? Uh, well, certainly, if, uh, let's say, at the height of the Iraq war, if uh, General Petraeus was assassinated by someone, we would take that as a, a by a foreign government, we would take that as a uh, uh, act of war. Uh, so Iran would be fully uh, in its rights to, to interpret it as that, as such. But I don't think they will do it. Uh, I don't think they will uh, uh, cause an all-out war in the region because they're quite sophisticated and careful about what they're trying to do. Um, one thing I want to say is, uh, unlike, let's say, uh, uh, Al-Qaeda, who, uh, whose main purpose was to disrupt international relations in the Middle East and elsewhere, uh, it was a non-state actor. Here, you're talking about a government that is interested in finding a safe space for itself in the Middle East. So they're not really interested in blowing up the whole thing and then causing a war with the U.S., which they can't win anyways. So I don't think we will see an all-out war or World War III or anything like that. But it is certainly a very uncertain period that we're getting into, and, it, uh, and we'll see. Okay, so you don't see an all-out war as a cost of this drone killing. What about a benefit? What, if anything, did the U.S. accomplish by killing this general? Uh, it's very hard to say. Uh, 
any benefit to the United States. Uh, it is really maybe a short-term adrenaline rush, uh, but uh, to, to, for having taken out such a significant person. But it has uh, made life very difficult, not only for the U.S. government, but for U.S. business and private people, individuals and students in the region. Uh, so it is. Uh, I, I can't really uh, see any uh, benefit uh, coming to the U.S. Uh, as a result of this act. How does this change the situation between uh, Iran and other countries, including the U.S., when it comes to the nuclear weapons agreement? Uh, this uh, over the weekend and this morning, we found out that the, that Iran uh, withdrew from uh, one of the last uh, obligations that it had uh, agreed to under the agreement. Uh, so this really makes it uh, open for the for Iran to to start processing uranium and and. and and once again, uh, re-embark on this path to to build a nuclear weapon. I should say, though, is that this is not this doesn't mean that a complete withdrawal from the treaty. Iran still uh, allows inspectors uh, to come and stay in Iran, uh, and a, and the other parties, China, Russia, and the Europeans who were party to this agreement, they still uh, continue to abide by it. They follow it. So the, the treaty, the agreement itself is still in some form is, I guess it's in life support maybe, but it is there. Uh, but uh, if, I suppose if, uh, this is a very big if right now today, but if uh, diplomatic uh, contacts between U.S. and Iran are reestablished at some point, it might be possible to put these uh, pieces back to together. But right now, of course, it's, uh, it is going in the opposite direction, which makes it uh, very uh, dangerous, I think, for the region. And what about Iraq, where this Iranian general was killed? Iraq's parliament has voted to request the withdrawal of American troops from their country. How significant is that? It is very significant. Ironically, this may very well be uh, the beginning of the end of uh, U.S. presence in Iraq. Uh, that is unfortunate uh, because, as uh, we all know, uh, it is it will be 17 years in a couple of months since U.S. invaded Iraq. Uh, over this time, uh, people estimate that over one trillion dollars have been spent. Uh, something like 5,000 U.S. servicemen have been killed. Uh, we don't even know how many Iraqi civilians have been killed as a result of this. And uh, to come to this after 17 years and being forced to leave Iraq, I think is really, uh, it's, it's very uh, hard to process. Uh, so, uh, but well, President Trump should... has said he wants to be out of foreign entanglements. Well, What's the biggest cost of leaving Iraq? Yes. Uh, well, I think people should really question then uh, what, is, uh, what has been the purpose of this, this policy from the very beginning, what interests the U.S. has in the Middle East. And if the uh, United States is really interested in leaving Iraq, uh, what is uh, going on with all the other troops that are being sent into that region? Uh, Iraq is one part, of course, but U.S. has a very big presence in other parts of the Middle East. And there may be some legitimate U.S. interests in the Middle East. But these need to be articulated, these need to be really explained, and then they needs to be protected with appropriate means. So what we're seeing is, on the one hand, uh, it seems like we are 
provoking Iran by uh, saying things like we will go after the cultural sites and we will retaliate, we will uh, send in even more troops. But at the uh, at the same time, there is, of course, this talk about uh, wanting to end all wars in the Middle East. This doesn't seem to be a good way of doing that. You just mentioned that uh, tweet from President Trump threatening the destruction of Iranian cultural sites. That would be a war crime, right? That will be a war crime. Uh, it was explicitly uh, stated as such. And in our recent memory, the only other two groups who did that deliberately, we should remember, is Taliban when they destroyed Buddha statues in Afghanistan, and of course ISIS, when they destroyed the whole city of Palmyra in uh, in Syria. Uh, so this is uh, definitely, and of course cultural symbols, I guess, uh, when we talk about Iran, these are places, religious places, where uh, there's bound to be a very large number of civilians. Have you followed the uh, stopping of Iranians and Iranian Americans at our at Washington State's border at Blaine with Canada over the weekend. I have, I have. I think I see that uh, as another example of the chaos under which uh, some of our foreign policy is being conducted now. Um, there are some uh, policies and and pronouncements that come from the from top, but people who are in the position of implementing these policies are not always very well informed. What is it that they were supposed to do? Um, so, uh, and I think we see that kind of disconnect. We saw it uh, when there was this Muslim ban early uh, in the Trump administration. This is another example of it. Uh, huge confusion, of course. I mean, uh, crossing the border, we're always asked questions about where we're going, where we're coming from, but it's very clear that uh, people were uh, taken into additional questioning on the basis of their national origin or their family's national origin. Uh, a lot of confusion that involved old young people, men, women, children, uh, and uh, sometimes we're talking about uh, tens of hours of uh, ten hours of waiting uh, on the border. Uh, so uh, it's another, uh, as I said, I mean this is uh, a policies that are not really. Uh, process through interagency discussions and without really taking into consideration legal ramifications and uh, uh, which normally is done in other uh, situations uh, then are being imposed and impl uh, are, and then people are trying to implement it and they're they're trying to uh, kind of you know uh, do it as they go which creates the confusion. Finally, Professor, what clues are you looking for as to what's likely to happen next? Uh, I am, uh, of course, I mean, uh, we are all uh, waiting to see what Iran will do. They will uh, want to do something as a retaliation because this is a huge, huge uh, loss for them. And, uh, and General Soleimani was genuinely popular, as we saw. Hundreds of thousands of people showed up for his funeral. So something will have to be done. But I will also be looking for the involvement of other countries, uh, especially the Europeans, uh, because Iran has maintained good relations with many of those uh, foreign governments and has continued to have diplomatic relations. And I have a feeling that they will try to step in and to cool the situation down a little bit. And I think that will be important because, as I said, at the end of the day, uh, Iran wants to find a way of surviving uh, in the Middle East, and that'll I think that'll involve uh, for it to, to uh, really uh, rely on some of these other relationships. 
So among other things, there's uh, Professor Kasaba telling us he does not expect all-out war despite some of the uh, the inflammatory uh, rhetoric and fear going on right now. There will be so much more to say in the coming coming days and, and weeks and months. This is Rashad Kasaba, director of the University of Washington's Jackson School of International Studies. And we really appreciate you coming over here into the studio and, and walking us through this. Let's, let's meet again soon. Thank you very much.